When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. A podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, we'll cover the latest news around Europe, Serie A, and Napoli. Then in part 2, I'm not going to focus on one specific player for the transfer talk as I normally do. We appear to be getting closer to a resumption of football, and I think once we have some concrete dates, then we'll start to see some movements, particularly for those players whose contracts expire on June 30th. So today I'm going to provide an update on all the previous players we looked at in this segment, but I'm going to do it in a way that ties everyone together, because in reality, transfers are rarely standalone deals. What I mean by that is what you do with one player could impact what you do with the others. So if that sounds a bit confusing, just bear with me. It'll make more sense when I get into it. Then in part three, we'll do a player profile on new signing Andrea Patania. So let's start with the news. On Tuesday, we learned that 1,724 people in German football were tested. 10 came back positive for COVID-19, so those people are now in quarantine. And even though those 10 represent less than 1% of all who were tested, this still casts some doubt over whether the Bundesliga would be permitted to resume. But then on Wednesday, we got the big news that Chancellor Angela Merkel approved the resumption of the Bundesliga in mid-May. Now, the Bundesliga is the second of the top five leagues in Europe to make a concrete decision, the other one, of course, being Liga, which ended last week. And speaking of Liga, the 40 French clubs between Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 have taken out a collective loan guaranteed by the state for a reported 162 million euros to cover the loss of revenue from not broadcasting. In Spain, the situation is very similar to what we're seeing in Italy. The league has been approved to resume individual training, and this week they began testing players. 
and La Liga has targeted a resumption of the season in June. On Tuesday, IBAR players and staff expressed their concerns with resuming play and the risk of a second wave, and La Liga responded with a statement saying that they understand why clubs might be afraid during these unprecedented times, but assured the club that measures are being taken such that it will be safer to play football than, for example, to go to the grocery store or to the pharmacy. Elsewhere in Europe, the Serbian Football League has been suspended to May 30th, the Croatian League is set to resume on May 30th, and the Turkish League will resume on the weekend of June 12th to the 14th. Finally, Zoran Lakovic, who is UEFA's National Association Director, spoke to German paper Bild about the Champions League and Europa League and explained that UEFA has planned for multiple scenarios. The current plan is the one we've discussed previously, which is to complete the Cups in August. And if things change, they have alternatives, but in any event, the goal is to complete the Cups. According to Football Bible, UEFA has scheduled a round of 16 to be completed on August 8th and 9th, the quarterfinals between the 11th and the 15th, the semifinals between the 18th and the 22nd, and the finals in Istanbul on the 29th. Moving on to Italian football, the FIGC and the Government Scientific and Technical Committee will be meeting on Thursday to discuss the protocol for resuming group training as well as the resumption of the Serie A season. Now, some reports have taken this a step further and have suggested that if the plan is not approved on Thursday, then the season will be ended. I don't buy that. I think what could happen is the technical committee could not approve the protocol and ask FIGC to make changes or provide more information, but that doesn't mean the end of the season. And I was chatting with a few friends about this, and my friend Dan said something that makes a lot of sense to me, which is that Serie could be waiting to see what happens in La Liga. Now, nobody ever agrees with Dan, but I actually do agree with him on this one. Minister of Sport Vincenzo Spadafora continues to piss people off with his comments in the media that suggests that football will not resume, but it could be that Spadafora is just stalling to the last minute to see what happens elsewhere. I mentioned earlier that La Liga is taking the same steps as Serie A in terms of testing and resuming individual training, and COVID-19 hit Spain just about as hard as it hit Italy. Speaking of those tests, on Wednesday we learned that an unnamed Torino player tested positive for COVID-19, even though he was asymptomatic, so he's been put into quarantine. And at first I thought this was going to make a resumption less likely, but then I thought this is actually an indication that the protocol work. Before anyone returned to training, this player has been isolated, which then prevents the spread of the virus, so in a weird way the story is kind of encouraging. A quick comment on the lower divisions of Italian football. Serie B clubs are preparing to resume training, Crotone and Pescara have opened their training facilities, Empoli, Entella, Frosinone, Pordenone, and Spezia should resume training soon, Benevento, Juvestabia, and Salernitana need to test their players first, which is a requirement in Campania, and Ascoli and Livorno are waiting for the protocol to be published before they do anything. As mentioned on a previous episode, Serie C is likely to be ended, as these clubs simply don't have the means to implement the health protocol. And lastly, there have been a few stories out there about CBC Capital Partners and Blackstone negotiating with Serie One story is that they're negotiating to purchase a 20% stake of the league for 2 billion euros, which means they value the whole league at 10 billion euros. Another story is that they're looking to buy the broadcasting rights, which they can then resell to Sky Sport and to the Zone. Moving on to Napoli news, the club has just about tested all of its players and all of them have tested negative. I believe they're only waiting for the results of one test for Orestes Carnetsis, 
and as a result, the club expects to return to Castel Volturno for individual training on Saturday. In other news, KPMG released a report estimating how COVID-19 will impact the value of clubs in 10 different football leagues, including Serie A, and according to this report, Napoli would suffer the largest loss in proportion to its current value. They say the value of Napoli players will decrease from 591 million euros to 421 million, which is a loss of 170 million euros if the season ended today. And if the season were to be played behind closed doors, the club would lose about 107 million euros. So thankfully, Napoli has strong financials. Otherwise, this could be a disaster. A few other clubs worth noting, Juventus would decrease in value by 176 million euros if the season ended and 116 million euros if it was played behind closed doors. Inter would lose 157 million euros or 97 million euros respectively. Finally, Nice has elected not to redeem Adam Unas for 25 million euros, which means he will return to Napoli. And there has been some speculation that he might be loaned out to another French club. So that's it for the news. In part two, we'll do some transfer talk. Okay, so like I mentioned earlier, today I'm going to provide an update on the previous players we talked about with a view to providing a bigger picture. So let's start with Dries Mertens, who to me is linked to a number of players on the team by virtue of his positional flexibility, and according to the papers, it appears to be more and more likely that Mertens will leave. So we know that Chelsea manager Frank Lampard seems to be quite keen on bringing Mertens to the Blues, reportedly having spoken to the player directly. The other club he's been heavily linked to is Inter, and recently, the other Milano squad has been linked to Dries as well. Now, I can't see AC Milan offering a competitive bid for Mertens with the financial situation they're in. I'm only slightly less confident that Dries stays. If you recall, my prediction for Dries was that if he's not going to make significantly more money elsewhere, and if he's not going to be a starter elsewhere, then he might as well stay with Napoli. And I don't think the silence from Mertens and his camp means that he could be on his way out, as the media are suggesting. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the best, and in this case, I think Mertens is just waiting to see how things play out. And why wouldn't he? He still has nearly two months before his current contract expires, and we still don't really know whether or not this season will be completed. Now, one reason why you might expect Mertens to stay is so that he can become the top scorer in club history at the moment he's tied with Matic Hamsik. But that doesn't mean he'll sign a two-year extension either. Rather, it supports the notion that I posited in episode 4, which is that Mertens will extend to the end of the current season, whenever that might be, and assuming that the season is in fact played out. If it is, then a short-term extension would give Mertens 12 Serie A matches, plus at least one Champions League match and possibly one Coppa Italia match to break that record. Now that's plenty of time to score one goal, even if he is coming off the bench. The only way he doesn't suit up for those matches is if the negotiations get really nasty, but in that case, Napoli would probably let him walk rather than offer him a short-term extension. And I actually don't think the negotiations will get nasty. 
Mertens remains an important part of this team, and his role becomes that much more important when you consider that these players have all been off for a few months now. That means clubs will rely more heavily on their benches, especially if they're given five substitutions. Now, last time we spoke about Mertens, I mentioned that out of all the attacking and midfield positions that he could play in, the most likely spot for him to start is on the right wing, but he's probably behind Politano on the depth charts. Now, what I neglected to mention on that episode is that Napoli also have Irving Lozano. Now, we haven't featured Lozano in the transfer talk segment yet, but all indications are that he will not be sold unless clubs like Everton, Sevilla, Valencia, and Atletico Madrid are willing to make a big offer for him. And according to Estadio Deportivo, a big offer means at least 38 million euros, which is only 2 million euros less than what Napoli paid to bring Lozano over from PSV. And even if they did get that offer, I'm not convinced that Napoli would even take it. The club wants to give Lozano another year, and according to the Gazzetta, Gattuso has a plan for him. And that plan could in fact be to play Lozano on the right wing. After all, that's where he played for PSV, and he flourished in that role in the Eredivisie, scoring 17 goals in back-to-back seasons. And PSV, by the way, played in a 4-3-3 formation. So the right wing may not actually be the most likely position for Mertens after all. Okay, so then what about striker? Well, that question ultimately depends on whether Napoli sell Arkadouj Milik, who we spoke about in episodes 1 and 3. Now, not much has changed on that front. Juventus and Schalke remain the most interested, but I still think Napoli try to extend Milik first, which means Mertens would at least be second in line and possibly third behind Petania. If Napoli were to sell Milik, though, the club would look to replace him with another big name, but I'm not going to address that here. I'll talk about that in a little bit on part three. So given all that, Mertens' most likely position might now actually be left wing as a backup to Lorenzo Insigne, though he could also face some competition there if Napoli signed one of the wingers we've previously talked about. The three most likely options appear to be Gremio's Everton Suarez, Werder Bremen's Milo Rashica, and Sassuolo's Jeremy Boga, though in the case of Boga there would be no issues as Mertens would probably be included in a swap deal with Chelsea after they exercise their buyback on Boga. We also talked about Mertens potentially playing in the midfield, but there's not a whole lot of room there. Though Napoli lines up on paper in a 4-3-3, they actually play a 4-1-4-1 formation. Demet owns the Regista spot, which is why Napoli need to sell Alan, as we talked about in episode 5, and Mertens is not well suited to play a holding midfielder role anyways, he's better suited in an attacking role. And of the two attacking midfielders, Piotr Zielinski appears to have an extension already worked out with the club, the parties are simply waiting to sign that contract. And the other midfield position belongs to Fabian Ruiz, who we spoke about in episode 3. But like Lozano, Fabian is part of Gattuso's plans and will not be sold unless Napoli get a ridiculous offer for him, which I just don't see happening in the current market. An offer I can tell you that Napoli will not accept is a swap with Barcelona for Samuel Umtiti plus cash. Barca appear to be overvaluing the defender and his salaries on the higher end at about 4 million euros a year. Napoli already have Amir Rahmani to fill the void at center back if they were to sell Kaladu Koulibaly. Now we spoke about Koulibaly in episode 2, and at the time the possible replacements included Tottenham's Jan Vertonghen, Sevilla's Diego Carlos, Nice's Malang Sar, Fair Nord's Rick Karsdorp, Freiburg's Robin Koch, and Genoa's Adama Sumaoro. Since then, just about every other defender on the planet has been added to the list, including Lille's Gabriel Magalhaes, Rennes' Mari Traore, 
Fiorentina's Nikola Milankovic and German Pazella, Brescia's John Chancellor and Andrea Cistana, Juventus's Daniele Rugani and Christian Romero, and Hellas Verona's Marash Kumbula, who Napoli were heavily linked to in January, but could be on his way to Inter. And Pazella appears to be the defender that Napoli are most interested in. In terms of clubs with pockets deep enough to buy Koulibaly, we previously spoke about the Manchester clubs and PSG. You can add a number of English clubs to that list, including Liverpool, Everton, Tottenham, and apparently Newcastle, if their Saudi takeover bid goes through. Gazzetta is reporting that Liverpool are willing to swap Dejan Lovren, who scored against Napoli in their 1-1 draw at the Anfield in the Champions League, but again, De Laurentiis is looking for cash. I think the most likely situation with Koulibaly is a swap for a player valued at around 20 million euros and the rest in cash, which is a compromise that I think would satisfy both sides. Finally, last episode we spoke about Alex Meret. Since then, we've heard rumors that Napoli have expressed interest in Brescia keeper Jesse Joronin. For now, I think Napoli are just keeping their options open. This could be an indication that they sell Meret and Joronin serves as a backup to Ospina, but it could also be an indication that Ospina is moving on and Joronin serves as a backup to Meret. In either case, it's good to have a backup in mind, and that's as far as I'm going to read into that rumor. Finally, another option is keeper Luigi Seppe. His agent, Mario Giuffredi, started this rumor, which is what agents do to increase the value of their clients. Giuffredi told Radio Marte that Gattuso likes Seppe a lot and that he is strong in all respects. He has excellent footwork, which we know that Gattuso values. Seppe's loan spell with Parma ends this summer. But again, I stress the word option. I think Meret would still be in the number one spot come next season. That'll do for part two. Up next, we're going to talk about Andrea Petania. Okay, so like I just mentioned, today's player profile is on Andrea Petania. Petania started his football career in AC Milan's youth system where he enjoyed quite a bit of success. In 2010, he won the Campionato Nazionale Giovanissimi with Milan's U15 squad, and the following season he won the Campionato Nazionale Allievi with the U17 squad. A week after his 16th birthday, Petania moved from Milan's youth team to their Primavera B squad where he would play for a season. Roma's Brian Cristante was also on that team, and they would later reunite at Atalanta. Petania didn't play too much in his first season with the Primavera, but would break out in his second season. Pedone che si allarga, ancora Pedone, dentro per Valotti, arriviamo sul fondo, Pallas, mezzo, Petania! Petania! Ma che bella azione del Milan! Ma che bella azione di tutto il Milan! 
veramente una grande grande azione corale questa dei rossoneri conclusa manco a dirlo dal solito Petagna che bel pallone dentro di Valotti Petagna è di testa deve solo appoggiarla questa volta e l'1-0 è meritatissimo That was Petania scoring one of his 13 goals that season, and the Primavera season was only 26 games at the time, so he scored a goal every other game, which is not a bad clip at all. That year, Petania also scored a beautiful goal in the Villarejo Cup against Anderlecht, which I will post on Twitter because the audio just won't do it justice. The following season, Petania was promoted to Milan's senior team, where he would play under Max Allegri and alongside players like Mario Balotelli, by Niang, Robinho, and other big names. After only two appearances, Milan loaned Petagnas to Sampdoria for further development. Unfortunately, he didn't play much there either. Between Serie A and the Coppa Italia, Petagna made only five appearances for the Blue Cercati. After half a season with Sampdoria, Petagna returned to Milan's Primavera squad, where he spent the rest of the season under coach Filippo Inzaghi. Despite being only 24 years old, Petania is a bit of a journeyman. In 2014, he spent the first half of the season on loan to Latina Calcio and the second half on loan to Vicenza, both who were in Serie B at the time. Then in 2015, Petania spent an entire season with Ascoli in the Lega Pro. While he was at Ascoli, Milan sold the young Italian to Atalanta for about a million euros, who then loaned him back to Ascoli for the balance of the season. The season after that, Petania joined Atalanta in Serie A. During his two seasons with La Dea, Petania scored nine goals in Serie A and two in the Europa League. Now that may not sound like much, but during this time we really saw what Petania was capable of. With his big frame, we already knew about his hold-up play and his ability to win aerial duels. It also wasn't surprising that Petania had great vision, which is helped by the fact that it's easier to see the field when you're towering over everyone else. But Petania also showed that despite his big frame, he has very quick feet, he has an excellent touch, He's a very good player on the ball and he can score with both feet. Si fa vedere Gomez, non lo serve Freiler, percuote lui, dentro Petagna! Petagna! Atalanta in vantaggio! Ma che gol di Petagna! That was Petagna demonstrating these skills against Lazio. On this goal, he receives the ball at the top of the box with his back to the goal. He takes one touch, which popped the ball up to about waist height, then he spun while the ball was dropping and hit a powerful volley with his off-foot pass goalkeeper Marchetti. Petagna is also a very good passer of the ball. In addition to the 11 goals I mentioned a moment ago, he assisted on 13 goals and was a second passer or in some way or another involved in many more goals. The then 21-year-old spent two seasons at Atalanta before they loaned him to Spal for 3 million euros, with an obligation to buy for 12 million euros if Spell avoided relegation. That season, Spell finished in 13th place and Petania scored 16 goals for Libyanka Zuri, and his first two goals with Spell actually came against his former club.
So that was Patania scoring a brace against Atalanta. Now he did get somewhat lucky on the second goal, which took a deflection to beat Pierluigi Golini. But over the course of the 2018-2019 campaign, Patania showed time and time again that he did not need luck to find the back of the goal. And that form continued into the current season. Patania had already scored 8 goals in 21 matches before the Ferrara-based club sold him to Napoli for 17 million euros, turning a quick profit in the process. Though the now 24-year-old requested to stay with Spal for the remainder of the season to help them fight for survival, he's also very excited to join his new club. In a recent interview with Sky Sport Italia, Patania talked about how this move is the most important step in his career and that having scored nearly 30 goals with Spal, he believes he's ready for this next stage. Before I get to the role Patania will play at Napoli, I'll give you a quick summary of his career with the Italian national team. Patania has played for every age group from the U16s all the way through to the U21s, and with the U21s he played in the 2017 UEFA European Championships, where he played alongside a number of players who were either already in Serie A then, or are now. Patania scored in Italy's opening match against Denmark, but he didn't score again after that, and Italy crashed out of the tournament against Spain in the semi-finals. And this was a pretty disappointing result when you consider the talent in this squad. The starting 11 in that semi-final was Andrea Pitania, Federico Chiesa, Federico Bernardeschi, Marco Benassi, Lorenzo Pellegrini, Roberto Gagliardini, Antonio Barreca, Mattia Caldara, Daniela Rugani, Davide Calabria, and Gigio Donnarumma, not to mention Danilo Cataldi, Alberto Grassi, and Manuel Locatelli on the bench. So again, this was a big disappointment for that squad, and their manager, Luigi Di Biagio. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is the role that Patania will play for Napoli. We've already touched on this in the transfer portion, but my expectation is that Milik will remain with Napoli, and Patania will be a more than capable backup. If Napoli do sell Milik, they will probably reinvest the proceeds of the sale to bring in another big-name striker. We've heard a number of names out there, including Immobile, Bellotti, Icardi, and Luka Jovic. I personally don't think any of those guys will be coming to Napoli. Very briefly, Immobile is about to renew with Lazio pretty much until he retires. Belotti will be the focal point of a rebuild at Torino, and he doesn't fit well in Gattuso's system anyway. He probably would have fit better in Ancelotti's 4-4-2. Icardi wants to play for Juventus, not Napoli, and Luka Jovic will spend another season at Real Madrid. And if I turn out to be wrong, I'll happily own that, but it would also mean that Napoli got one of those players, so that's not too bad either. Then there's Dries, who again, I think will stay as well. So obviously if Patania is on the bench, he'll not score at the same clip that he has with Spal. But if somehow neither Milik nor Mertens are with Napoli next season, then maybe Patania does become the starting striker. And in that case, I'd be very interested to see how he does. On one hand, you would think he could be an even more prolific scorer when you surround him with the players like Insigne, Zelinski, Fabian Ruiz, and whoever else ends up at the right wing. So I don't think it would be too shocking for him to score 20 goals with Napoli. On the other hand, you can see him playing a similar role that he did at Atalanta, where maybe he doesn't score as many goals as he did at Spal, but he's also much more involved and assists as much as he scores. But to me, this looks like another smart bet by Juntoli. At 24, Patania has a huge upside, and if things don't work out, we only paid 17 million euros for him anyway. If we're willing to give Lozano a free pass and he costs the club 50 million euros all in, and I agree that he deserves more time by the way, and if we're willing to pay 23 million euros all in for Matteo Politano, then no one should have an issue with this move for Patania. So that's it for episode 7. I hope you enjoyed it. 
If you did, please give us a like and share it with your friends. Also, ratings go a long way, so please be sure to do that as well. If you have any questions or if you want me to focus on anything in particular, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast at Pod. Finally, if you're looking for some reading material, you can find my latest article on Massimo Cellino at worldfootballindex.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.